You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hello, this is Pete Mitchell from No More Kings, and you're listening to the Growlix Podcast. Yeah, so we're here with Pete Mitchell from No More Kings. He also he also does. Uh, you do a brand new web comic. Yes, I just started a web comic this year, the first of this year, called Critical Hit, based on one of uh, one of my songs, actually. Um, yeah, weekly web comic, sort of uh, the Dungeons and Dragons related, I guess. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah. made me think of Zelda. I think uh, Zelda? it has definitely a Zelda vibe. You're right about that. Probably because mm-hmm. it's like my character has a giant head. And tiny boots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I think that's what all adventurers need, really, at least to start. Large head, tiny boots, and then somebody's like, take this sword, it's going to be dangerous. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be dangerous, take this. And it's good if there's fireballs. The fireballs are coming in, in my <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So I guess we can kick, kick part of this off by way of, this is going to be a backwards way to start an interview, but I kind of want to ask Jesse... Um, cause, oh. cause Jesse introduced me to the, the, the wacky world of Pete Mitchell. That's <laughs> 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 a wacky one, isn't it? <laughs> so Jesse, how did you get into, into Pete Mitchell's stuff? Like, where did you discover him? And that would, might be a good starting place to, to get Pete talking about some of his things. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how common it is, but I imagine it's pretty common that people, uh, are introduced to No More Kings via Sweep the Leg. Is that fair to say? That's the most common way, yeah. And, uh, you know, being a martial artist, uh, for the last 23 years, uh, Sweep the Leg was definitely on my radar. And, uh, but once I, once I delved into the, uh, No More Kings universe, uh, I was hooked by all of it. Uh, I've got I've got one of your zombie prints up in my office. Uh, you know, I, I just dig all your projects. Uh, video, I mean, like you you dip into a little bit of everything. You've got fine art. You've got animation. You now you're doing comic style art, which you, we're kind of doing anyways. Uh, and do you have a background in that? Did I read that somewhere? Yeah, I um, I, that's what I actually got my degree in. So I went to a small liberal arts school school in um in New England. And I got an art degree, so I studied painting really. And I, I expected, I fully expected to like try to be a fine artist, like having mm-hmm. shows in galleries and stuff. And then like that just, I don't know, it just wasn't my vibe. And so I moved to Los Angeles and started working um, just some really cool uh, places doing computer art. So I worked for the Jimensa Company making Muppet video games, and I worked for Disney working on uh, you know Disney video games, and started really getting into this really cool world of um, interactive art at that time. And, uh, yeah. So music was always this thing that I kind of did on the side that I loved equally. Like I, I can't, I can never separate music from art. Those two things are the, are the same for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seemed that most of my paying, uh, gigs early on were art related. And then that switched with no more Kings, uh, when, in, you know, in 2006 or seven or whatever that was, when that became my focus. And then I was doing that for a while. And then luckily, you know, you're talking about, um, doing the cartoon style art now with Critical Hit, the web web comic, and doing you know kind of these cutesy zombies and all that stuff. That was uh, really lucky for me to be able to bring uh, my art back into 
music. It seemed that the people that dug No More Kings um, also started digging that artwork too. So I was really like, really psyched that I didn't have to separate those things, you know? Yeah. Well, the uh, artwork for the, the CDs, you, do, you, do you do all of that? Yeah, yeah. And I was really lucky that my label let me do that. A lot of record labels would be like, no, no, we have, we have somebody that does that. You're not going to sure. do that. You know, but they were like, no, that's part of your vibe. So go for it. And they're beautiful. The, the interior artwork is, is fantastic. So thank you. Can we talk about the webcomic a little bit? Because absolutely. I mean, I guess that's a good stepping stone into tabletop stuff. So I'm guessing you have a bit of history with D and D. Absolutely. Um, I have a couple of funny stories, I guess about that. And, and maybe I'll get to those a little bit later, but um, yeah, I always, I played D and I mean, not from when it, you know, it came out. I think I wasn't, when did it come out? 79, something like that. Like, yeah, some in the seventies, I believe. So, yeah. So I was born in 73. So I was, you know, pretty young when it first came out, but by the time it picked up steam and became kind of a thing that, you know, people were doing, um, yeah, people were banning it. Like kids, my age were like killing themselves because their character died and they would commit suicide. And so parents were freaking out. Everybody, was like, no, there's no way I'm letting my kids play it. So it was at this time that my mom was like, oh, that sounds fun. She buys me the whole set. Nice. <laughs> my first time. So like, that says a lot about my relationship with my mom. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I just fell in love with it because I had never, you know, I always played, um, I always read Choose Your Own Adventure books. And then as soon as uh, personal computers. You know, I got the first Commodore VIC twenty. Got the you know, and then the sixty four, and then one twenty eight. After that, so um, I was always playing like Zork and and uh, you know any of those text adventures that were sort of like the you know yes. computer equivalent. Of, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they were like the computer equivalent of the adventure books. So working through you know the history of interactive fiction, D and D just felt like such a great extension of that, but in a way that that stuff couldn't even do like. If I were going to uh, make a decision as a character in a choose your own adventure book, it has to be one of the choices listed here and I have to flip to my page, right? right. If I'm going to make a decision in a you know, text adventure, it has to be something that the programmer thought of. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to make a decision in D&D, it could be anything. It could mm-hmm. be absolutely yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. And then the, the dungeon master has to sort of respond to that. So it's this beautiful kind of intersection of, uh, of storytelling and um, improvisation basically. And, and I just fell in love with that. So I played for years and then I moved and, you know, when you become an adult and you move away from your, your friend, your friends, uh, it becomes impossible to play. I know there are new developments now with like a uh, roll D20. And, and I, I did end up playing for a charity event recently. Um, I was the celebrity guest. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> And that was super fun, but that was the first time I'd played D&D, uh, you know, in, in years and years. Anyway, I don't play anymore, mostly because, you know, that that was such a thing that you had to be around those people for. And I've moved away from all that, but I'm still very um, nostalgic about it. And I, I still, you know, I keep, I play every version of the Elder Scrolls, hoping that it'll feel more like D&D to me. And it's, it's there, oh, but it's sure. not quite there. You were saying earlier you worked on um, video games? Yes. I, it, it's it's come up before um with with people we've talked to do you think that creating like an interactive more more like a game i suppose like a game that's like an interactive comic book 
that like you're you're telling the story, but that people can actually interact with it, and you could have you could you know have the art and the music and and the story all kind of come together. Is that something that you would be interested in? Oh my god, absolutely! Yeah, that's you've sort of hit the nail on the head of like of exactly that the ult- that ultimate version of of that of interactive comic. Weirdly, Critical Hit that web comic was a, a video game first. It started off. I had the opportunity to work for almost two years on um, an iPad. Basically, it was going to be like a Zelda-style open-world role-playing game based on the song Critical Hit, but, you know, developing this world that way with Mm -hmm. that that little lead PD character running around with a big sword. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately, the the project got canceled, so I never got to see it finalized. Um, And I think that company is gone now. But, yeah, yeah, it stinks. But for that amount of time, you know, I, I developed just you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages of stories mm-hmm. for these characters that, you know, and then anyway, yes. So, so kind of what you're saying, it, it was more straight up role-playing game than it was a interactive version of a comic strip. So I'm kind of going backwards at that. Um, yeah. So where I'm at now is that's why I decided to make the critical hit strip was I was sad about how all that content was never going to be seen by people. And I thought, well, this, this is the best I can do on my own as a way to tell those stories again, is I'll present them as a web comic. But, um, Melanie, you're right. Like, I think what would be awesome is to take that to the next step of doing the things that I love, which is making music, making animation, bringing these characters to life, and then letting the audience sort of play it and choose it and, and sort of, yeah, make some decisions. I, I definitely will explore that on my own. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully the comic book or the web comic, excuse me, well, same thing, uh, does well. And then, uh, get a push for it from the audience. Exactly. Are- is there any plans to uh, eventually turn Critical Hit into a book? Absolutely. It's yeah. It's funny that you say that, man. You guys are awesome. It's like <laughs> like the things that are already in my head. <laughs> um, is this really happening, or is this just me having a schizophrenic episode? <laughs> That's not the first time we've heard that either. That <laughs> I guess that you guys get must. Um, <laughs> so so yes, I think. Uh, the great thing about doing a web comic, the, the, I hesitated. I hesitated for a long time because I know I'm very short-term obsessive, which means I dive into a project and I give it 100%. Um, you know, I dive in headfirst, and then I get distracted by some other shiny thing. Mm-hmm. And then I, yeah, and maybe mm-hmm. that's everybody, but like I, I suffer from that a lot, and then I abandon the thing. So I was really afraid to start this web comic that I knew inevitably I was going to lose steam on, and I thought, well, the only way to, to sort of hedge my bets is to make you know, the first 10 weeks up front. And mm-hmm. so I just, you know, locked myself in my apartment and just did water. And I, you know, at first it was watercolor. I'm, I'm doing it on my iPad now um, because I ran out of the watercolor once. But my initial thing was I was going to do, you know, I was going to hand draw everything, watercolor, every panel would be like a painting basically. Mm-hmm. And then do the text in Photoshop and there we go. Um, I've caught up now to where I'm out of the stuff that i the buffer I gave myself. Mm. So next week, this this coming Friday will be the first strip that I have to like make from scratch. Now I don't have. I'm out of material. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, a little, yeah. I'm a little petrified because yeah. this is exactly where I would lose steam normally. So to your point, the idea, the reminder that I want this to eventually end up being a book is what's going to keep me pushing through that because mm. I need this to go a full year. I need to do, you know, I need to have 52 strips, and then at the end of that. And at the end of 2016, see if that makes a nice book. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I did a, a webcomic called uh, Tank Monkey 
Uh, oh, cool. Tankmonkeycomic.com. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a monkey that drives a tank. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I totally understand what you're saying about the buffer. You know, you, you give yourself you the same problem. Buffer. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And uh, it's one of the reasons. Tankmonkeycomic.com. Oh, this is great. Sorry, the first page is the candy corn, and I'm a huge fan of candy corn, so. Oh, are you? Uh, oh, uh, maybe, stop, maybe stop reading. <laughs> that, that, that candy bad corn. things happen to this candy corn? Uh, candy corn is not a favorable character. Oh. Jesse is not a fan of candy corn, so he makes it a well, villain. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of a villain. He's, he's kind I of love how you're working guy. through your issues through your comic strip. Well, <laughs> is it, is it, isn't that what we're supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. What would Freud say? Yeah. So yeah, uh, I know exactly what what that problem feels like. In that, you know, you uh, you have that buffer. You worked really hard, and now, oh, now I'm butting up against an update, and now I'm going to work until like two a.m. to get it right. out. Exactly. And is that what you did? Did you just did you just push through it, or did yeah, you end I up tr- missing some? Deadlines? Well, how did you? He, both <laughs> the okay. answer is all okay. of the above yeah and uh and i did get at least one book out and i have enough content oh. to put out a second book but i'm on a hiatus because uh you know i i i really relate to this idea that you're kind of a a multi-passionate person that gets uh drawn into these different projects because i have the same problem mm-hmm. i'm a you know i'm a martial arts instructor i'm an elementary art teacher I want to make a web comic. I want to podcast with these guys. You know, I mean, like, there's yeah. only so many hours in a day, and I want yes. to do it all now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the great thing is, it sounds like you're you're doing most of that. So, yeah, it's, yeah it doesn't sound like a problem to me so far. It sounds like you've got it. You've got it figured out. <laughs> well, I won't claim I won't claim that because if I did have it figured out, I'd just write that book. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True. Then you can make money from all these uh, interests. Hmm. Wait, you know that leads me into a question that I actually had, and that is, you know, like kind of the self help guru um, manifesto right now is focus. You know, like focus on this one thing wow. and really yeah. hit it. And, and so I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that because uh, like, that is not how I roll. That is not <laughs> how I function. I, it, man. I couldn't do it. You know, I'd be like, okay, but I really, really want to do that other thing. Yeah. I thought I wanted to do this thing. I don't anymore. It's not fun anymore. It's not I want yeah. to do that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, what would you do if someone was like, yeah, you have to give up martial arts and you have to focus? I mean, you can't. I, I don't know. I couldn't. And I yeah. have lots of people like depending on me in that field. So it's like, you know, I've even thought about that. And it's like, no, no. And that's my physical outlet. You know, like I have lots right. of outlets for different reasons. And that's my physical one. So, yeah. That's what a really you- good way to describe that. Um, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just going to say, what do you think about that? Like, how do you how, how do you reconcile these things, I guess? Well, this is a really interesting sort of serendipitous time to bring that up. I've been, um, I've had sort of an epiphany lately that is along those exact lines. So I've realized that my entire life, I've been very scattered. I, I enjoy too many different things. I'm passionate about a bunch of different things. Everything I see inspires me. So if I watch a, uh, watch a really cool movie, I come home and I want to make a movie. I, uh, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like whatever yeah. I've just, whatever I've just ingested, that's the thing I'm most passionate about and I want to make. And, and maybe, whether we know it or not, that's how all art works. I think all art on some level is a reaction to something that we've taken in and then we process it through our filter and then we, we do our version of that. You know, not 
literally, but you know, on some level, you know, we're making web comics because we've we've seen we've read comics growing up, and you know, we right. so we're responding to that somehow. Um, the 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 idea of focus. You're right. That's sort of the thing now. That's the mantra, and that has become my new mantra too. But what I'm realizing is that doesn't mean focus on one outlet. That doesn't necessarily mean focus on one uh, genre or one media type. Um, mm-hmm. So in your case, you know, that doesn't mean stop doing martial arts and o- martial arts and only do the web comic. Um, but it does mean you have to start um, eliminating some distractions and eliminating some things that aren't really helpful. And focusing for me means focusing down to what's what is my unique point of view? What's the thing that makes me me that no one else has, basically? And mm-hmm. it's a combination of things, right? It's um, if you become if someone becomes a fan of No More Kings, they're essentially becoming a, a fan of the same stuff I'm a fan of. So they're becoming a, they're they already are a fan of zombie movies. They're a fan of you know sci-fi. They're a fan of kung fu films. They're a fan of Bruce Lee. They're a fan of you know the Karate Kid. They're a fan of all this stuff already. Right. And so when they find out that there's, that there's this guy writing music about this stuff, hopefully they go, oh, that ticks all my, my boxes. I'm going to, you know, I'm into this now. So I guess what I'm saying is there are millions of better singers than me. There are millions of better songwriters than me. Uh, but what all those people don't have is my perspective and my point of view. Mm-hmm. And, and the same with you. Like you're writing this web comic the way that you write it because of your point of view, because you passionately dislike uh, (laughs) (laughs) whatever that is so so i would take focus to not mean focus on one thing i would take focus on focusing on you the best version of you and what that means and it might mean slowing down some of those other areas that you think you're doing for other people you said there's a lot of people counting on you with martial arts that's awesome that's a great reason to do something but once you start digging into what that is what what you're here for, you know, what is your uh, unique fingerprint that only you have? Um, it might mean altering that or maybe, you know, t- handling that in a different way or just giving that a different space so that you can focus on um, the core of you, whatever you find out that is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel so like. Introspective well, now. <laughs> That's not good for podcasting. Oh, no. though. I'm <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's just interesting because, like I said, uh, the serendipity of this is I recently got really into a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Do you guys know who he is? I've heard that name. Mm-hmm. I don't. Okay, he's, he's huge. He started this thing uh, in the early days of YouTube called Wine Library TV, which was like just a way for people to um, learn, about, learn more about wine, you know, like people that didn't really know about that stuff. And it grew into this, you know, millions of subscribers. And so then what, what, ha- what he noticed about himself was it wasn't wine that he was passionate about. It was uh, business, selling, relationships, you know, like telling that story. Uh, So he went on to become like kind of a social media guru and he would consult with other companies to kind of help them get a better YouTube presence or a Twitter presence or a Snapchat presence or whatever was going on. So I've been I've been super into him because for the same reason, you know, basically that that thing I just told you, his whole point is you have to find out what what is that thing that only you can do or say, you know, what's that unique perspective that you bring and then just drill that, you know, do that thing all the time and produce the best quality content you can in that realm consistently share it and just rinse and repeat, just repeat that cycle. So what, what that is doing for me is it made me realize up till now, I've been extremely scattered about how I, I just like, Hey, I did painting and I posted or Hey, I did a little animation. I posted and I'm always like throwing stuff up online and that's cool because 
what I've realized is consistent about me is that I'm always making stuff and that's fun. Mm-hmm. But I need, I decided that I'm ready to be a little more directed and focused about that stuff. And so for example, how this manifests for me is I'm, I just finished writing and recording three solo albums. They're my first solo albums that I've ever done in my life. Wow. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm like kind of nervous and excited. I'm super nervous because I don't know that everybody who likes no more Kings is going to necessarily like what I'm doing for solo stuff. Oh, right. So right. Like, yeah. Like any, any kind of ch- time you switch lanes, you're going to maybe lose some people. Um, but I'm super excited because of the, uh, the way that I'm able to focus on it and the, way, the speed at which I'll be able to put content out, having removed the barriers and making sure that it's just me now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, so my thing that I'm focusing on now is putting those albums out and then surrounding them with all the other stuff I love, which is high quality music videos that are animated and cool and interesting, then artwork that surrounds the theme of the album. And then maybe making an art book, you know, that goes along with that, that has like some photos and some stills and some sketches and, you know, just basically doing, doing all. So it's still scattered, right? But it's contained scattered because I'm still letting myself, you know, be a bit of a schizophrenic and explore all these areas. (laughs) But it's all based around, it's all based around the the album that I'm releasing. And then when that's done, three months later, I make another one. And, 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 you know, again, I'm at the very beginning of this, so who knows? Check back in a year, and I'll tell you if it worked or not. But um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll but be watching fine. too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I hope so. I um, hope so. No, it sounds exciting. That's very. Then you have three already in the can. I've got three ready to go. I'm working with um some some musician friends of mine here in Las Vegas to get the first one. So here's what happened. I went through this crazy spurt. I in the past I would only write music when No More Kings was releasing an album. So Neil would call, my writing partner, Neil would call me up and he'd be like, hey, it's time to do another album. I'd fly <laughs> to Kentucky where he lives. And for a couple months, we'd write and record. And then that was it. I wouldn't make any more music. That album would come out. And, I, and you know, so basically every two or three years, I would have a focused period of songwriting and I wouldn't do any songwriting in between. And I thought, that stinks. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to get back into a habit of making, writing music all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, so that's what I, so anyway, I, a bunch of things changed in my life at once. I, I broke up with the girl that I was dating. I, I moved like, you know, from LA to Vegas. Like a lot of things changed at once. And I just felt this like spurt of energy. And I just cranked out these three albums in like a very short period of time in demo form, meaning I wrote them, recorded them in Logic and, um, you know, they're ready to go. They're not like studio quality yet so that's where the next step becomes which is what i'm doing now which is taking all those demos and recording them properly Uh if that makes sense okay so yeah so so when i say the three albums are done they're not uh done ready to release but they're written and demoed like Mm -hmm. they're at that level just needs a polish and a spit shine. Just mm-hmm. needs a little spit. There's <laughs> 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 an alarming exactly. amount of spit in every album that you get. <laughs> <laughs> Consumers beware. <laughs> I really like yeah the, the the focusing thing because well first of all you all amaze me anyway because I you know get interested in things and then I, I like make birthday cards or like uh <laughs> write a seven page backstory for my freaking D D character you know that is unnecessary and no one will ever see any of these things and that's what i do you guys are like making actual art and putting it out in the world and and uh, so all of you already congratulations for being amazing people there but 
being if 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 I could take all these other things that I'm interested in and and have them all streamlined into one like idea, hmm. I might actually make something that's you know that that I could share with people. <laughs> it sounds like you're already doing it though. It's just it, maybe it's just a matter of yeah, exactly taking that to the to the next step. If you're spending all that time creating really cool backstory for your character, then you're already storytelling. You're already doing the work. Um, the next step would be, you know, put, put that up, mm-hmm. you know, start putting the ongoing story, you know, tell, tell the stories of your character that led up to the, the campaign that you're in now, or tell the ongoing story of the campaign from your perspective of your character, whatever that is. But I think that sounds like you're already doing it. It just, there's just one more step that you need to take that lets it become something that you're sharing now and that other people can give feedback on. And then that starts. That's so when, when I finish a painting or when I finish an album, there's this phase that that we call releasing it, right? Like you release an album. And I love that phrase because to me, that's like you've nurtured this animal Mm -hmm. back to Mm -hmm. health and you are literally releasing it into the wild. It's not yours anymore. Right. When I finish an album, it's not mine anymore. I give it, I give it out. And then it's, it's the audiences and then they listen to it. They consume it and they respond to it. And how they respond to it is actually going to affect the next thing that I do. So anyway, I think it sounds like the next step for all these things that you're doing is to just get, get something and release it and then let that dialogue start happening. Mm-hmm. You'll be amazed at um, how productive you're going to find yourself once you let that become a habit. Uh... Well, and and like releasing a small animal into the wild, it, it can be dangerous. It's, it's going to yes. be scary. Yeah. It's going to be point. scary, but it'll also be, it'll also be fantastic to see your animal swinging through the trees. Exactly. Soaring, soaring on the breeze. Throwing his own feces. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the stuff that animals do. Yeah. Jesse, did you feel that way when you, uh, finally released, um, uh, tank monkey into the world? Yeah. I mean, it, it it's exactly what you're saying. It's, uh, it, it, all of you are saying it, it is, it's frightening because it's like, um, I really, you know, I, I, I key into this character. This character is obviously part of me. Some, he's a really snarky, angry part of me, unfortunately, but, uh, <laughs> he's kind of funny too. So <laughs> there was that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, you, you kind of wait and see what are the things that people really key into. And so why did candy corn become a big thing? Well, yeah, it was a little rant that I threw, but then people responded to it. Like there's a lot of people out there that don't like candy corn, Pete. I just want no offense, but there are a lot of, I don't want it's clear. Jesse has strong feelings about this. <laughs> well, you know, well, like he's I, think, into something. I think tank monkey has even stronger feelings than me because at a certain point tank monkey, even though he's like a part of me, he's like, a different character he's, he's oh yeah he's himself too you know mm-hmm. well this reminds me of so so who's your favorite character collectively all three of you guys who's your favorite characters on the walking dead who would you say your favorite character is in the the tv show or the tv show not the comic i'm sorry yeah the tv show which i know is a different thing entirely mm-hmm. um there's a reason i'm asking this by the way i gotta go rick really yeah uh, daryl oh, okay. and that's why cool. i had to ask specifically which one because daryl rocks yeah he's not okay Mm-hmm. I like uh, t- TV series Dale. Oh, I always liked, I always liked Dale, and I was Aww. really bummed when he left yeah, the show. Yeah, so. I was a huge Dale fan too. Um, so, so Melanie, this, the, you hit the the point of what, what I was asking Matt for, and the, and the reason that there's a difference there. So, Daryl is not even a character in the, in the comic, really. Or I think he appears once and then is gone, right? Like 
He's not a big part of the comic. Right. Yeah. But obviously the fans responded to Norman Reedus and, and there's just something about that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he took on a life of his own. So similar to what you experienced, Jesse, with the candy corn, like, and I think that's what, that's one of the most exciting things about that. And that's why you need to release it into the wild. If they had just trusted like what they, their original plan was, Daryl would have showed his, showed up for his one episode and then been gone. Mm-hmm. And we would have missed, you know, six, what would have been season six now? Six seasons of, uh, is it six or five? Uh, I think we're on six now. Yeah, I think six. six. Yeah. So we would have missed, and he's, again, he's, uh, he's been around for all of that and he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been around for any of that. So it just interesting things happen when you open yourself up to that, when you let this thing that you have been, you know, this is your baby basically that you've been cooking up this, cooking up your baby. Did I just say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. If you guys take just sound bites, you, you can make me sound like a very strange person. <laughs> so anyway, this idea that you, you know, you've hatched, and then you release it and then it takes on another life and then, you know, you respond to that. So that is a very exciting thing that can only happen once you uh, let the audience in on it. Otherwise, you know, it, that wouldn't have happened and we wouldn't have Daryl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm curious about some of the uh, projects that you've started and kind of just uh, let go of. Oh, no. no. <laughs> well, okay. So like... Found object theater. Oh no! That's one of my favorite things. And I'm just, I'm just curious. Like those, those are just like super fun little projects. Um, wh- how do you feel about those when they either do or don't take off? Wow, this is. Um, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not my goal. But. This is, I know this. This is the Oprah moment for me, though, where you make you make me cry on film. Um, so okay, there have been a couple. There've only been a few failures in my life that I've, I mean, there's tons of failures, but you know, usually you learn from them, you move on. And so I don't consider them failures because you've got something from them. But there are these three major things that have happened in my life that I've had trouble letting go of. The first was the collapse of my record label because I really felt like uh, our, our second album should have been bigger than our first album. We should have done like really amazing music videos that were on, on par with the Sweep the Leg video. And our record label just didn't have the, stamina financially to stay in the game long enough so it collapsed and that was a huge disappointment to me second um was critical hit uh the game the game version of that was supposed to be this amazing you know i was always looking in the app store for turn-based rpgs on the ipad because i thought what a what a great form format for that where mm-hmm. i can a- actually click and drag my character put my archer over here have him get ready to go put my magician behind this you know what i mean like so I wanted to make that game and worked on it for two years and then it, it collapsed as well. The third one is Found Object Theater. Oh. That was one of my favorite things I've ever come up with. And I was working with a company called Wild Brain. They did the show Yo Gabba Gabba for um, oh. kids. Mm-hmm. Gabba Gabba. So we shot a pilot with um, extremely talented cast of, of people. It was um, Rich Summer, who is um, in the show Mad Men. He's one of the leads oh. in the show Mad Men. Um, was my co, uh, co-star basically. So I played, you know, Gary, the sponge and he played Hank, the little razor. And we had this <laughs> great relationship. He was always picking up women. And I was always, you know, single and he's always trying to get me to be his wingman, but I was a terrible, I was terrible. Anyway, really funny <laughs> stuff. And everything yeah. that you do was like a lollipop or like a soap bottle or, you know, all the characters were just found objects. Um, 
and, and we ended up cutting this like 11 minute. And anyway, uh, similarly, that just dissolved. It just went away. And yeah, so I'm at this point where these things keep happening and I'm coming to a place now where I realize that that's okay. The fact that I even had those opportunities is exciting and way cooler than anything that would have happened to me 20 years ago. So just by virtue of having these opportunities to fail is <laughs> means things are going well and moving forward. So I don't think I'm done with found object theater. I think I will, just like I found a way to revive critical hit through the webcomic, I'm mm-hmm. going to find a way to do something with that idea, whether it's literally with the footage that I shot, because some of that was extremely funny or whether it's new stuff. Um, one way or another, you have not seen the last of Found Object. Theater. Yeah, I can't tell you how happy that makes me. Oh, good. Because <laughs> just the snippets you have on Vimeo are incredible. Oh, thanks, man. You know, it's weird. It's so good to hear this because, like, you know, part of my problem with being so scattered is I, I make a bunch of stuff that I think are cool, and then I put them out there, and then I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't always hear, you know, I don't always hear the response of what people uh, dug. And so it's really good to, to know that that you found that interesting, that that was something that you wanted to see, that other people might actually enjoy that. It reminds me like, yeah, I need to get back on that. That's such worth doing. That's, that's the internet for you. You know, it's like some things really take off and you get a lot of response and then other things for one reason or another, just no one ever hears about it. It's like right. uh, being in an ocean and you could be on this little raft <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're screaming. But no one's there's no helicopters that day. Yeah, exactly. The helicopters are over somebody else's raft. Yeah. No, that's a good way to look at it. I think one of my uh favorite things about living now is the fact that we have the internet as our distribution platform now. That's something that, you know, twenty years ago people just didn't have access to that. So mm-hmm. everything had to be done differently. And the way that bands became bands that you knew about that that machine uh the way that movies got made that machine the way television shows got made the way any content got made was a completely different um paradigm and then the internet came out and now people like us you know the four of us each of us have the exact same ability to make something go huge as any of those things Mm -hmm. we each have our own channel basically online you know and and all all that we need now is talent you know we have to be good at what we're doing you know Mm -hmm. And then an audience. And usually you do have the one and you'll get the other. Um, it might be a slow build, but like, again, that's something we never could do in the past. So I'm super excited about, about living now. But having said that, to your analogy about the sea, the downside of that is it is a giant freaking ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you cut the signal to noise ratio is such that how do you find the good stuff amidst all of that? If everybody is out there making stuff and not everybody deserves you know that attention not everybody is is talented you know unfortunately or the or they're trying the wrong things they're not they haven't figured out really what it is that their talent is and they're they're forcing something that they're not particularly good at um one way or another there's a lot of bad content mm-hmm. sure plus if people are weird if someone can spend a lot of time working on something really hard and it's good and then instead they watch a video of someone getting their head shaped you know Uh, yeah it is weird it is weird the uh well what was it there's some youtube channels like um we were watching oh what was it the neebs the neebs guys 
Mm. They were doing these fantastic and this fantastic and oh, Duralius and Associates. Yeah. It was this fantastic animated series on YouTube. Um, I hope they plan on making more seasons where it's kind of like it's a comedy, but it's a kind of like a like a fantasy thing. You know, it's something that I think um, both both Jesse and Pete would enjoy. You know, everyone does. It's, it's in that. Well, it's in that wheelhouse. Um, but they've launched another channel, Neebs Gaming, where they play video games like like a lot of other channels do. And I've heard them talk about on that channel all the work they've put into their animated series because they've done a couple. And the Neebs Gaming channel of just them playing video games blows it away by yeah. far. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it's definitely, yeah, I mean, if you're channeling a lot of work into a thing, it can be frustrating for sure to be like, <sighs> mm-hmm. or you could just do what everybody else is doing and get, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now the, but the, uh, yeah, you're right about that. And I guess that, that drills down to what, what are you trying to achieve? If you're trying, if your 100% goal is just to get a big audience, then yeah, you got to do whatever the popular thing yeah, is. Yeah. That might be that might be Twitch streaming. But if you if you ask yourself honestly what your real goal is, and hopefully it's not that because that's sort of an empty goal. Mm-hmm. If your honest goal is because you want to make a connection with people that like the stuff that you're making, um, then you're going to be happy with a smaller audience. I think I have recently made that discovery. I think I always knew that about myself, but I I got caught up in in some of the stuff. You know, Sweet Delay came out and like kind of blew up. You know, virally it sure. went all over the place. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about that was back when views mattered. I'm, I'm glad we're past that now because, like you said, somebody getting their head shaved or a monkey smelling its own finger, like, <laughs> like, like getting millions of views on a YouTube video is not necessarily an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And also that happens and then people move on to the next thing and mm-hmm. then move on to the next thing. So it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean they're going to keep seeing what you do. So if we eliminate that for a minute, I'm glad that bubble needed to burst. You know, it was like the housing market almost like that had to happen. Um, an inflated sense of, of, you know, people's attention. So now what we, what we're left with is you have the option to do something that you're truly passionate about, that you're very good at and keep doing it at the best quality you can keep pushing yourself and keep putting stuff out consistently. You'll be like, we just need a thousand people. You just need a thousand people to, to give a crap about what you're doing. And you can kind of make a living on that, you know, Mm -hmm. like, if every, if each of those thousand people bought that one uh, anthology book of the webcomic when it came out a, at the end of the year, and that was thirty bucks, and now you just made thirty grand that year, uh, right. then everything else you did was the commercial for that thing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can kind of live on that. So maybe I mean, and if you can't, then you make adjustments to your lifestyle so that you can, or or offer more stuff, or grow whatever. There's there's um. There's options, but I guess what I'm trying to say is the core of that is be honest about what you're, you are passionate about and what you're trying to put out there. Don't, don't get caught up in the, the kind of cash grab or the land grab for views and people and audience. Um, one of the reasons I mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk earlier is his philosophy is exactly that. His philosophy is that with the number of followers is meaningless if you don't have any depth. If you can tweet out to 6 million people about your new book and none of them buy it, then how did that help you to have 6 million people? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you can tweet out to 200 people that are actual fans that actually dig what you're doing and a hundred of them go buy your book for 30 bucks, you know, like you just cover the cost of that print run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sage. So so if I, 
<laughs> if I could get 200 people now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but that's how you, that's exactly right though. I mean, that's not insurmountable. 200 right. people in this great big internet, 200 people to care about what you're doing. That's like, true. that's measurable. You can get there. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, that would be great and all, but I'm pretty sure for, for at least Randall and Jesse, even if no one ever looked, they, they couldn't help, but just keep creating things because. Oh yeah. I do that, things yeah. all the time. Yeah. I did things for That's years the most important thing. without internet connection at all. I just I made things for years. Nobody, nobody <laughs> saw that, any that, of it. That decade when you lived on an island? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were no helicopters that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good analogy. No, 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 no. I think, uh, Melanie, <clears throat> that's a, a, a huge point. You have to figure that out for yourself. Like, what is that thing that you are compelled to do? I can't stop writing songs. I can't stop uh, making art. I would do that whether anybody cared. I like that people care. That helps me and that motivates me and that helps to drive the momentum that lets me mm-hmm. make more stuff. Right. But you're, you're absolutely right. I, if no one cared, I'd still do it because I'm not, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm mm-hmm. doing it because I can't help myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, likewise with the stuff that you guys do. I mean, yeah. When you found that thing, when you have found that thing that you simply can't stop doing, um, that's, that's huge. That's the, that's the big first step. And then the next step is make sure you're doing that at the best quality. You can do it. Mm-hmm. Constantly look for ways to improve yourself. Be consistent about how you share that stuff. And a fan base is inevitable at that point. It's just a matter of, um, letting that grow slowly and honestly, and being happy with, the, the slow growth and the fact that these are legitimate people that care about what I'm doing, not this huge bump of people that are going to move on to the next thing in a mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's absolutely it true. It, it's absolutely true. Just, just yeah, it, I don't mean, I hope I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, yeah, I, I, I'm actually extremely excited about that. Like that notion mm-hmm. is what gets me up in the morning. Like that's what makes me go, all right, time to work. Like, this is such an exciting time where we can, I mean, I don't have to uh, work at Burger King or Kinko's anymore. I don't have to wash dishes. You know, I don't have to do the things I had to do in college to, to make money. Like <laughs> I can make this. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can do that if we want to, but like what an exciting <laughs> time that we can honestly find something that we are so passionate about. And so like that revs our engine and, uh, and find other people that also dig that thing. And then, you know, do you guys know about the, the site? I'm sure you do, Jesse. Uh, Patreon? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, of course you do, Jesse. That's how we connected. That's how we connected. Yeah, that's a great example of the, where the future is going. The idea that you can connect 100% to your fan base directly, mm-hmm. and they are then finding some way to support what you're doing. Um, I think when Kickstarter first came out, it got a bit of a bad, not a bad rap, but like I, I stayed away from Kickstarter for a long time because it always felt like uh, fundraising felt like uh, begging, like doing a car wash on the weekend to pay for mm-hmm. your trip to mm-hmm. Mexico. Like it just mm-hmm. didn't feel right. Um, and I think Patreon had that risk, but for some reason, Patreon doesn't feel that way to me. And, and Kickstarter doesn't anymore either. And I hope that, I hope they both do really well because I like the philosophy of I'm going to make this thing all the time. And here's how you can be part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lets people be part of the conversation, lets people be part of the thing that you're doing. And they're, I mean, in, in the case of like, if you 
Do you have one, Jesse? Do you have one for? I, I don't have one yet. I, I've been. You should considering make one for it. Tank Monkey. Yeah, you should make one. Um, I'll I'll uh, I'll back it. Oh hey, <laughs> and I will uh, I will tell I will tell people to back it. But uh, no, the point is, um, yeah, when you're doing that, then when you offer the book, that's mm-hmm. that's the value. So like a, a Kickstarter or a Patreon becomes uh, the pre-order for that thing. It's not in any way donation based. They're not getting. They're not giving something for nothing. Do you know what I mean? Right. I think that's the right. misconception. Um, and I think people like us, you know, independent content creators can help to change that um, misconception and get towards a place where I believe in the future, I believe 10 years from now, there's going to be a ton of streams like that. There will be a, a ton of places like that where people are, um, are making a living off the thing that they're super psyched about putting into the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, well, there's so many things that I wish worked in a way where, I could look at things and be like, this is what I like. And I want to give my money to this. I don't right. have to pay for this, you know, all, all this stuff that I'm not interested in. I want to be able to be like, this is good. I want to, I want more of this. I want to yes. make this be what it's going to mm-hmm. instead of like, like with TV or something. Say there's a show that you watch, you, you pay for your cable. Um, and then it gets canceled because not enough people watched it, but that was right. what I wanted. That was what it was, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, paying for yeah if you could have put your money directly into that show versus right. to cover mm-hmm. the overhead of it. and that's actually happening which is very exciting mm-hmm. um we're moving away from cable network you have to sign up for an entire cable package just to be able to watch game of thrones yeah. like that's changing you can just sign up for hbo it's still there because you still have to sign up for hbo mm-hmm. but eventually that's going to come down to where you're i mean i i don't watch tv that way i buy a season and then i watch it mm-hmm. after midnight so when i so walking dead for example is has already aired or is airing now oh, yeah 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 soon I think it's am, I, am i making you guys miss it i hope not oh no, oh, no. we uh, catch we, it we, i catch it don't, later you don't have yeah i watch it tomorrow anyways yeah okay yeah. <laughs> that's the same, same thing so that's what yep. i'm getting same at model. yep, yep. Mm-hmm. now i think that's an important i think that's a lot of people are in the, that boat mm-hmm. and i think what's exciting about that is that should be telling people that should be telling the networks that's better than a nielsen rating you know like we're literally buying this thing mm-hmm. like we're paying 30 bucks or whatever ahead of time mm-hmm. for the season and we're going to watch it the next day after it airs mm-hmm. um pretty soon we won't have to wait because they'll work out better deals with that kind of thing but yeah i think i think uh i think melanie i think it is going that direction where mm-hmm. you're going to pay directly for the thing that you want and um i mean there's a there's a benefit to the old model in the sense that you know uh you can help cover the cost of something that maybe the network believes in, but maybe doesn't have the traction yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have, you have mistakes too, like a show like uh, Firefly getting canceled, you know, things like yeah. that, like that shouldn't happen, you know, and that, and that wouldn't happen under the, under the new kind of way things are going because enough people would have demonstrated that they want that. Right. And that's, uh, again, sorry, going back to the theme, but, uh, the internet helping because it, it's already like that for a, a lot of like musicians uh, yeah. more than, than anyone else I can think of maybe mm-hmm. where, you know, you don't have to necessarily go through a, a big label and studio and all this to, to get your music. Well, yeah. yeah it's the whole thing of cutting out the middleman when you can work directly. And then it right. ties in, it, it, it works both ways because it's like you were saying, giving money to that. Yeah. Not, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And the cool thing about that is, what I think the reason we're getting such pushback about this change, uh, there is a whole, you know, slice of society that has made their living on mm-hmm. that old model. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You know what I mean? They need Beyonce to be huge because they're all counting on that, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas these days, a band like Pomplamoose can come along and they don't need to be huge. They don't need to be a household name. They just need, you know, Patriot. Well, yeah. But yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, so I guess what, the reason I say that is um, it's important. Those things existed in the past because the, the machine made that possible, right? Like the reach was bigger. So the fan base was bigger. So everybody's cut was bigger. Uh, and there were tons of um, con- tons of things, content, I was going to say, but not content, creators, I guess, that didn't make it because they were shelved because the, they decided to put their funds into somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and in the modern landscape, that doesn't happen anymore. Everybody gets sort of equalized. Nobody, fewer people are the Beyonce level mm-hmm. and more people are the Pomplamoose level. And, and I'm interested in that future. I'm interested in a future where like, it kind, of, it kind of what you're going back, what you were saying before, Melanie. I feel that way about taxes. Like, I would love to choose where my taxes are going rather than just playing with that thing. You know, uh, I would love, yeah. like, yes, I want, I'll give this much to schools, this much to roads, this much to this, you know. Mm. Um, similarly, I think with that we all vote with our dollar for, for content. We get to say, these are the bands that I'm interested in. These are the movies that I've enjoyed. These are the, you know, this is the type of food I vote for. Like, we do that as consumers by consuming and paying to consume, consume that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally the infrastructure is catching up to that model um, to where that's possible. And so, yeah, I want, I, I'm curious about how that's going to affect the giant mega level, you mm-hmm. know, cause everybody's complaining about nobody's buying music, but, but it, who, does it really, who does it really affect? I'm kind of, kind of glad and kind of not. Cause I mean, I don't know exactly how it works, but you hear stories about, older musicians that are touring still and they're broke because they never got any of the money from the music that they make. Mm -hmm. And exactly. And it makes me sad, but they, you know, then again, they're not going to people who don't go through, uh, you know, a label and whatever, aren't going to have as much potential to earn that money in the first place, even if they weren't going to get it. You know what I mean? Well, exactly. Yeah. It's that double, double edged sword where, um, they, the, the going through, I mean, cause you, essentially you're working with a corporation at that point, mm-hmm. you're not going to have the resources that right. a corporate, you're not going to have that corporation backing you, mm-hmm. but you're also dealing with a corporation whose goal is to save as much money as possible. And they will put you into, I mean, they've got lawyers to yeah. draw all kinds of loopholes up, but it's also kind of the same with, um, you know, the, just being creative and then having a fan base because I can be creative with any random thing, but if I had, I mean, I'm, I don't have any, a specific thing that I do anyway, but if I did, if I had fans, then I'd have money to do it better. Yeah. Do more. Yeah, well, yeah. You know? Yeah. And not even the money, just the power you yeah. have. Mm-hmm. So the commodity now isn't necessarily money. It's people's attention. And if mm-hmm. you can demonstrate that you have the ability to capture people's attention, you know, that becomes the new driving force. So you're right. Building a, building a fan base of, of any size is, is really the important thing. That's the new currency, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's some crazy stuff happening in, in, a, in a lot of good ways. I, I definitely, it's interesting what you, how you talk about that old model and how these guys are like 80s bands are still touring now to, you know, be able to afford their houses mm-hmm. um, because they didn't, they were in such crappy deals that they didn't make anything off of it for so long. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, how is that better or worse than people now complaining about not getting paid for being on Spotify? Um, yeah, it's interesting. So being on a label for a couple of years and then having it collapse, mm-hmm. I definitely, I see, and it was a small label, so I never experienced anything giant, but 
I got to see both sides of, so for example, the Sweep the Leg video came out. Now that thing, that cost the label $500,000 to make. That, that was an expensive video. It was basically mm-hmm. a short film. You know, it was mm-hmm. basically the budget of making a short film. Um, now that I'm solo, I am not going to be able to spend $500,000 yeah. on a video. Yeah. Right. So I have to become creative. I have to do it myself. I have to figure out, you know, creative ways of working with friends and owing people favors and, you know, mm-hmm. doing that kind of thing. So there's, there's pros and cons, obviously, to both systems. I had a lot more resources went on a label, but I had a lot more hoops I had to jump through. Yeah. I had to convince, right. I had to like convince, uh, people that what I thought was a good idea was a good idea. And oftentimes I lost those battles. And so I didn't get to make the things I wanted to make. So the plus side is now I'm in full control, but I don't have the resources. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, right. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But one of the, and another good thing about the internet, you can, you can connect with other people who can help make your ideas, even if they, aren't your, you know, original vision happen. And I was thinking, That's true. um, what was that? Uh, I, uh, what were you bound item thing? Oh, found object. Object. thank yeah. you. I'm sorry. I did. I hadn't heard of it before, but it sounds very interesting, I like but you know what? Please pop it in my head. Puppets. Who oh, yeah. is really good with puppets? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, I, li- I like puppets. I don't, I wouldn't say I'm good. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> If, if you can make one and it does things, that's good to me because dolls are creepy. Or I mean, you know, uh, it, to me. Uh, so anything that tries so, to be alive. So she just outed me as a puppet fanatic. Um, <laughs> you said something about Jim Henson. Yeah, I was gonna say I need to more. I need to know more about this puppet thing. Tell me a little bit more about. It. Oh, I no, I just like puppets. So oh, hearing okay. that you work, he makes them. He makes but some puppets. He's I being, have made a puppet. He's being <laughs> that is wild. He's being kind of humble right now. Yeah, he's a humble boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's chock full of indie games. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. yeah, I worked for Jim Henson for two years, and it was the coolest job. One of the coolest jobs I've ever had. Um, we weren't doing much with the Muppets at that point because. Um, it was right before Disney bought them back mm. or not back, but right before Disney bought the Muppets. And so we kept trying to get, it was after the show Muppets tonight it was between that period. So, oh, sure. you know what I mean? So there wasn't anything actively going on with the Muppets. It was a little sad. Um, but they were working on like a Muppet uh, Christmas movie at the time. There was, some, there was some, still some cool stuff, but anyway, we did a bunch of commercials every once in a while. So every once in a while I got to go to um, a shoot mm. where I just, show up and there'd be a table of lifeless Muppets just lying there. <laughs> that would be my waiting. <laughs> it was amazing, but it was creepy too. Mm. And then like Bill Beretta, who was ended up being my favorite uh, puppeteer. He did Pepe the King Prawn, you know? Oh, he's yeah. Yeah. yeah he's he's the best. So he's done a bunch of other characters too, but that's his most famous. He is one of the coolest guys in the world, but he came over and got at the, that time too, because Frank Oz had picked up the Miss Piggy puppet and like, Instantly, this thing came alive, and it wasn't just that he was. It, I don't know, man. Like it's ma- there's some sorcery going on there. <laughs> it wasn't just. I saw it. It was dead a minute ago. It was just yeah. felt, and then it was you know flocked felt and some yarn, and then he picked it up, and it was a living thing that was talking to me. Um, yeah, that's an amazing ability. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's the next step. Maybe a uh, you know tank monkey tank monkey puppet YouTube show. Oh man. Might be yeah, a fun would, like, extension of the comic. Mm-hmm. 
I would still want to see a walking, talking Muppet candy corn. Uh, how great would that be? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would nibble on his little head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got this. Wow. Okay. Tank, tank monkey. Tank Monkey Puppet Show. I don't know why that's never occurred to me to recommend to Jesse, but that's like perfect. <laughs> uh-huh. But I would have to, to me. I don't know. I would have to build him because I wouldn't be happy with a fa- with a found puppet. No like, you'd alteration. Have to build him, so, for uh, sure. But that's the fun of it too, though, is the fact that you can look at this thing and go, "I made that. I totally made that." Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might have to happen. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what he actually sounds like, though. You know, like I have other characters. Oh that, yeah, yeah. That I have voices for, and I've actually talked to puppeteers about how do you how do you come up with a voice, you know? Um, and uh, I I just don't know what he sounds like, but I guess yeah. if I spent some more time with it, yeah. As you're building the puppet, I feel like a voice would happen. Like yeah, once you start yeah, making you might that be thing right. real, and you you know what I mean? Like I think it's I think that's going to happen on its own. Yeah. <laughs> See, th- th- yeah. this is this is the problem. People start talking about stuff, and it's interesting. I'm like, yeah, I want to build a puppet. I don't even like puppets, but I want to build one now. Welcome to my life. Yeah, to creep out by puppets. Um, oh yeah, that's true. I was uh, I was reading uh, the comments on the critical hit YouTube uh, uh, video. It was, I think it's the song, and uh, you responded to somebody's comments about uh, the video originally being uh, with goblin puppets. Yes. I, so I'm curious, what would that have looked like? Oh my god! Okay, so this is scary because this is another one of those things. Like, if this had happened the way I envisioned it, it would have been amazing. So the idea was going to be a D and D session, like all like Beastie Boys, gangster rap, sabotage style video. You know, like guy with a <laughs> with a um, brown paper bag. You know, the beanie on. He shows up to the secret location, knocks on the door, opens the door, and it's the basement. And the DM screen, and you realize in the back he just had Mountain Dew Code Red. You know, it's ready. He's ready to go. Yes. And so they're there, and the the DM is Will Wheaton. You know, and it's Ray and Will Wheaton and Vin Diesel. That was that was my dream cast for this video. <laughs> sure. And, yeah, and we're all playing. And as they're describing the actions, it goes into um, balloon. You know, above their head, like the thought balloon above their head, and all that action is done with the pu- with puppets, puppet versions of Will Wheaton, but in in full character. So puppet uh-huh. versions of each of the and me, of course, too. So it'd be me oh, yeah. and those four people, those three people that I mentioned. Um, and we're the D and D party, and it was just going to be this crazy cut, cutting back and forth between the this real time stuff that's happening in the you know all gangster style, like you know, back out the <laughs> yeah. words, and then the the puppets getting hacked up and just red yarn flying everywhere, just like <laughs> as bloody as possible. Yeah, yep. and that never happened. That was going to be oh. the critical video. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I wish there was a, like a print like button from your head that you just print oh, it and then the idea. No just, kidding, just man. Wouldn't that be nuts? <laughs> be awesome. Yeah. So that's the downside of not having uh, the resources that a, a record label affords <laughs> you. Although, sure. again, like I said, they um one of the problems is for a band. I don't know if this happens with other things, but I know my fan base better than any label is going to. Mm -hmm. So when I get, you know what I mean? So I kept finding myself in situations where the label would want to do something or would reject an idea that I had based on the idea that the fans wouldn't like it. And I thought, "Ah, like, of course I know them better than you. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make sense. Why would you think that? So yeah, so that that video probably wouldn't have happened anyway, just because they wouldn't have seen seen the vision. Someday. I'll make it someday. 
Well, uh, we don't. I don't know what you have for time, Pete. We don't want to keep you if you're busy. Or I'm honestly totally fine. I know that um, you guys. I, I don't know how long you try to keep your podcast to, and I don't want to give you too much stuff to edit through. <laughs> we try to keep it under four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> but, uh, no, but I've, I've got time if you wanted to go for a little longer. I'm totally cool. It's up to y'all. I don't care. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm good with whatever. I don't have shall, to work we, tomorrow, so... Shall we uh, talk comics, then? Let's talk comics, for sure. Um, so, uh, what, are, what are your favorite comics? Okay, so, full disclosure, I don't read comics anymore. Okay. Just, I know, sadly. Just like uh, D&D, for some reason, I moved past that phase and never really got back into it. So, I used to be huge into X-Men. That was my go-to comic. Mm-hmm. And I, I have like, I gave them to somebody, but I had like a stack of like 200 in a row sequential, like just a good amount of eighties, you know, it, most of the eighties basically, um, yeah. so like all the dark Phoenix stuff, like all the oh, yeah. Yeah. solo stuff, like just Chris, everything. Chris Claremont run. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that was my, yeah, that was my era. And I stopped for a couple years, I guess when I got, you know, got to college probably. Um, and I tried to go back and I didn't know any of the characters anymore. Like everything, like I, I just missed a few years, but it was enough time that like, it was a whole new X-Men. It was a whole new cast. And I was like, God oh, crap, I'm, I'm way off. And so for some reason, I just never, I never took the time to learn the new group or to, or to catch up. And so it just, yeah, it just got lost to me. What I'm super excited about now is that movies have finally caught up where, where superhero things have become mainstream because uh, I'm absolutely loving everything that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is putting out. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff that I wouldn't necessarily, like I never, I loved Iron Man as a character, but I never read, I never read his books. Um, I read some Hulk, I read some Spider-Man, I read, uh, you know, a little bit of Captain America. I, let's see, what did I punisher i got into i know that's totally separate but i'm just thinking about the the stuff that i read um yeah but i I think it was all around that era and then i stopped so what's uh what's the stuff that you guys are checking out a a lot of my reading is recent stuff and i kind of i kind of come it's almost the opposite and i run into trouble talking to a lot of um longtime comic book fans because they're like oh do you remember this such and such 90s thing and i'm like not really i didn't I didn't have, you know, I didn't have, I didn't spend my money on comics when I was a kid. Right. But I'm reading a lot of, um, I don't know if it's got Batman in it, I'm reading it. Nice. Um, Swamp Thing, although there's not a lot that has oh, Swamp cool. Thing in it. And then, um, some indie stuff. Uh, we mentioned Walking Dead earlier. We've been reading that, but also I was reading, um, I just blew through the entire run up to current of Invincible by Ryan, Kirk, uh, Ryan, um, oh, okay. um, Kirkman. What was this? Robert. Yeah, Robert. I've heard a Robert lot of good Kirkman. stuff about, um, about yes. that. That's, that's what I've been... Dude, doing. Batman. Just a quick note on Batman. Um, there's uh, Arkham Asylum. Uh, yeah. With uh, Dave McKeon. And I forget who the writer was, but Dave McKeon did the art of it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh, so, uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Graphic novel. Uh-huh. Um, that changed my entire view of what a comic book could be. Because previous to that, comics, the art always was very, like, samey-samey. It was all that, like, you know, thick black outline superhero mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this comic came along, which was just, like, visceral and 
stuttery and like just moody and interesting and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was, yeah, that was the first comic that really opened my eyes to the other side, the art side of, of comics, not just the slick illustration side. That, if that makes sense. We, sure. Yeah. We it's uh, just, um, that's the Grant Morrison, uh, yeah, written. that's what it is. We just, yep. I want to say two, three episodes ago, mm-hmm. we just, uh, cause every month on our, on our main show, we have people kind of like listeners will vote on our poll and pick a book and then we'll read it that month and talk about oh, cool. it in the next episode. We just covered that and it was a first time read for me. Like, so two oh, or three wow. months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. And even now, uh, one of the things I said in that episode was, you know, I've been a Batman reader for a little while now. So I've read a bunch of, you know, there's lots of different kinds of Batman, but even yep. now reading that, I was like, it, I mean, like you said, it opened me up to, uh, specifically in that case, like what you could do with Batman, even yeah, like just think of the range of things you can do with that one character. Um, yeah, it's so, so wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the great one. Uh, Grant Morrison had a, a comic called moon shadow too. Did you ever check that out? Uh-uh, I don't, I don't think I've, I haven't read that. It's, one. Um, John Muth. I think John Muth is the, um, artist. I could be way off on that name by the way, but, um, it's all watercolor. Like the whole, the whole run is like, really cool looking watercolor art mm-hmm. um yeah anyway should check that out really really crazy was that moon moon shadow moon shadow yeah cool cool mm-hmm. yeah i'm always looking for more grant morrison i mean there's a ton that i know we haven't read but yeah um yeah and, well i i, I like seemed most of the um more artistic stuff that we've read or that i've read i guess um I don't know why, but it seems like the stories tend to be real better too, or n- not better. Well, maybe because a lot of it, a lot of it, it's independent, and that I like independent because you they can do what they want to do, and they don't have to yeah. stick to the formula, and you know, right, fit it in with all the other storylines and stuff like that. You know, well, it kind of ties into the idea we we're a little bit we were talking about earlier about when you're working with a a company or a corporation, yeah, yeah, you're beholden to their expectations, yep. mm-hmm. and yeah. Yep. Indies and right now in indie comics, um, there's a lot of great stuff going oh, on. Oh, so much! It's um, I I can't even keep up. And I read you know, well. I mean, I, I haven't been reading as much now, but you know, but, so so many that I lose track. I have to keep lists of of all the great things that I have read and want to keep reading. Yeah, that brings up an interesting idea. So we have you know in, in the old days we have curators basically that would tell us what's worth checking out. You know, mm-hmm. and as as the internet becomes this wide open sea of amazing content. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like you're right. Like there are tons of amazing indie comic creators right now that are just really rocking, really interesting stories and really like cool signature, uh, stylized arts artwork. And you need someone to tell you mm-hmm. what the cool stuff is, what to check out. Right. Like you need someone that yeah. you trust mm-hmm. sort of, and and I need someone to give give the keep them afloat until they can make a book that I will buy because that's how I prefer <laughs> right. to do it. <laughs> you don't get separate issues. You wait until the well. It, it... No, that makes yeah, sense. You are more of a trade waiter. Yeah. Um, mainly because you can't stand to wait a month between. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's what yeah. I do, man. I I, uh, I wait until the show's done and then I binge. Yeah, I can't. Uh, uh, for the same reason, I can imagine a comic would be the same frustration of like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 
want to know what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, well, that, and also it, it in the long run, it, it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. So you mentioned you've really been digging like the Marvel movie, the Marvel cinematic universe and stuff. This month we have, there's a bunch of exciting things going on in terms of like comic book and superhero TV and movies. Mm. Is Daredevil coming back this month or is that like yeah, yeah. March? No, it's March. It's um, it's March. The sixteenth, I think it's like the thirteenth or sixteenth. Yeah, something like that. Oh, nice. it's in, a, in a week or two. Yeah, dude, I'm super psyched for that. It's got Punisher. The, and, uh, that's why I wanted to ask. You mentioned you you oh, yeah, used yeah. to read Punisher. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I uh, I watched the first season, binged, of course, mm-hmm. and I was like. I was so tired and I kept watching and I couldn't stop watching, but my brain was like, I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch until he gets the suit. When he gets the suit, I'm going to go. It's the end, the very it's end the of the last series. episode. He gets the suit. So yeah. I ended up watching the whole thing. It was like six in the morning and I finally went to bed because he got the suit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, really good. Uh, Jessica Jones. Were you guys blown away by that? Yeah, I thought that was better than Daredevil. I didn't even really want to watch it because Randy like gave me a little bit of a I had I'd never heard of of it, and Randy gave me a little summary, and I was like, but but because Daredevil was so good, I watched it, and yeah, it was great, it was fantastic, and so good. Oh, what's his name? David Tennant. Yeah, 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 uh, Kilgrave. Mm -hmm. What a great bad guy. Yeah, I love Luke Cage. I love the idea that he's going to get his own thing. Yeah, that that actor was awesome. What a great character. Again, I don't remember Luke Cage from from uh, from the books. So, just Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this is opening me up to a bunch of guys that I didn't really. Oh, so so anyway, Jesse, continue, man. You were going to say so. In addition to Daredevil, what else? I mean, Civil War is coming out next month or something, right? Yeah. Well. Yeah, and and this is not Marvel Cinematic, but how are your feelings on? You might not even be into Batman at all, but um, Batman v Superman. I'm very into Batman. Okay, okay. so here's okay. here's my thing. I know Batman was my favorite. Batman, oh, Batman nice. and Wolverine were on opposite sides of uh, of the you know the DC Marvel uh-huh. split, but equally uh, important in my life. <laughs> I loved uh, the Michael Keaton Batman. That's still my favorite. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, huge Batman fan. Um, yeah, okay. So I've only seen a little bit. I I gotta say when when they announced Batman versus Superman initially, I was like, oh, over it, don't care. And then I saw some stuff that made me go, okay, this could be pretty cool. Um, I'm a little sad that it keeps getting rebooted in mm-hmm. the sense that like that was it's not connected to the Christian Bale universe, it's not connected to the Nolan universe at all. So it's a, it's a new thing altogether. Um. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm going to reserve judgment till I see it. It could be really cool. I, I didn't hate the two Supermans. Um, was it two or one? No, there were two, right? Um, well, there was one. Con- Man of Ste- uh, Superman Returns and then Man of Steel. Yeah, I mean, Man of Steel was kind of the reboot. So That was the reboot with, yeah. with uh, Henry Cavill, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, okay. So there's only one. Okay. So yeah, so okay. Um, I didn't hate that the way that everybody else hated it. I didn't love it. It wasn't you know, fantastic, but I didn't, I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely, I don't, I'm not a Ben Affleck hater either. So I'm totally curious. I mean, he's at least, uh, like looks the most like a Bruce Wayne in the, in the sense that like Bruce Wayne was a, a like 
good looking playboy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like Christian Bale and Michael Keaton kind of didn't make sense in that world. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. True. Um, Christian Bale's pretty fine, good looking, totally. sorry, but But I mean like you know, they were more they made more sense as Batman and less sense as Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. whereas I feel like Ben Affleck makes to- tons of sense as Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Now let's just see if he can pull the Batman stuff off. Right. You know, you were talking about um uh Randy, you were talking about uh, the Grant Morrison Batman that we both loved, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and how they, you know, they were able to explore such range. I've been reading a lot about that idea of in the, the film Batman versions, all the different people that I've had a chance to explore that character, and they keep focusing on, you know, I would have gone darker, I would have gone crazy. You know, he's such a tormented, twisted character, and it got me a little bit like, oh, uh, like come on, like that's not what's interesting necessarily about him. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. It, the same way that uh, Tony Stark. That makes him real, and that's cool. But if you just get more and more drunken and debaucherous with him, you get less and less interesting. What's interesting is how he rises above that to become a hero. And I feel the same way about Batman. It's not super interesting that he's this tormented, you know, uh, orphan who never got over that, and like he's got issues, you know, and he puts on this costume basically to bring out the monster side of him. Like that's kind of interesting, but that's only interesting as the backdrop to here's a guy that is really making a change is, is trying to do good is trying to be a hero and step up. Um, so I'm a little sad when I hear people talk about wanting to play up that aspect and not wanting to play up the heroes mm-hmm. side of it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Our last, and our then last... have you seen uh, arrow? Oh, sorry. Okay. No, but, I was just going to say our last uh, podcast. We were just discussing that Batman should not be rated R ever because it, they need it. He he's kind of a dark character, but he it's much more positive and people that's what people Yeah, you don't have on. to take that angle. Like right. you can still I, yeah, play on it. I have a hard time. I agree. He doesn't kill people. I mean he's mm-hmm. made a yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There but, shouldn't be a world where kids can't see a Batman movie. Right. I know, that would be sad. Speaking of rated R though, do you guys love Deadpool? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most enthusiastic I've heard Melanie on the I show in a while. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking, and uh, well, I love Ryan Reynolds anyway, and and I was super yeah, excited for it, and it was great. It it you know met all my expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody somebody was going to say something. Yeah, I interrupted. I'm sorry. I think we all forgot. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, oh no! I was, I'm, that's right. I was just going to talk mention uh, Arrow, the TV show Arrow. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when I first started watching that. I was like, "Holy crap! This is a better Batman." Yeah, mm-hmm. than yeah, what I've seen least. on film. You know, not yeah. in comics, but like mm-hmm. it was the best Batman of the film universe that I'd seen. Mm-hmm. In terms of balancing both sides of that, you know, like he did a perfect job of his his Oliver Queen that version of Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. You know, balancing against the. The Batman vigilante aspect of him being Arrow as well. Yeah, I thought he was definitely more of a Bruce Wayne than, and I haven't read a lot of Green Arrow in the comics, but he was definitely more of a Bruce Wayne than an Oliver Queen that that I had read. You know what? Okay. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you mean the the show turned the show. Him more into a Bruce Wayne? Yeah, yeah, yeah a yeah. little bit. I guess, although it is, I mean, the show took a more serious tone though. And Oliver mm-hmm. Queen seems like the comics do get serious, but the little bit I've read, it seems like he still has fun sometimes. Yeah, he's okay. he definitely got a sense of humor, but it depends, I think, on when which when you read him too, because yeah, that's true. He, his character in the in the comic book evolved a lot too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah, in the show they steered away from that entirely. They made him extremely like they definitely crap man. 
not a crappy life. <laughs> they definitely did want to do a Batman show and just totally couldn't. So well, especially with the, with the League of Assassin, like bringing Raja Ghul uh-huh. in. Like, yeah, it came, became very obvious this was them trying to be Batman for TV. Yeah, it's like... Which Gotham is doing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Or that's like young Batman. It's big Batman pre-begins. Yeah, it's... Pre-pre-begins. Batman. Really, is. Oh, man. Sorry. Jesse, what were you going to say? Oh, d- no. Uh, but we've been really... <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity, though. Um, <laughs> uh, have you been watching The Flash at all, then? Yes. Okay. So oh, here's what happened. I, I, uh, yeah, everybody told me I need to watch the flash. Everybody said it's fantastic. So I put flash on the first episode of flash. He meets green arrow. So I'm like, well, hold up. And there's a million more seasons of green arrow than there is. Of flash. Yeah. We, yep. we can't. And then keep... it started crossovering. So I started like mm-hmm. hopping back and forth to make sure I got the crossovers. Sorry. You can say what can't keep. We can't even keep up with the green arrows, but we try to so that we can keep up with arrow. But, yep. but no, hey, I feel like I want to make sure I'm on. on you know, both of them. you mm. know, you're truly finally, we're truly finally getting accurate uh, adaptations of comic books on TV when you have to do the crossover complaint. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, I, think, I think you're right. I think this could not have happened years ago. Um, like we, the audience was not there for it. The fact that superheroes have, have crossed over into the mainstream now in such a fantastic way means you can have shows like this where you can, I mean, the idea of a cinematic universe, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. literally on film or on TV mm-hmm. was unheard of. That could never have happened before. Like what, how would you possibly share actors and share storylines and have people appear in there? I'm so excited for the ability uh, of larger content to be told this way. I'm not caught up with flash. I am not, whatever the current mm-hmm. um, season is now, I haven't started because it's on like, what is it on? Hulu? Yeah, yeah, Hulu. Yeah, they do that thing where you can catch it the day after it airs, but they only hold like the previous four or five episodes at a time. Oh no, I could have. So I could have. Uh, was faster. Yeah, I missed yeah. my chance. Right. Yeah. I'm not my as window. fast as Flash. Yeah, I'm not as uh, fast as Flash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I just tell you something that pet peeves me a little bit about that? Yeah, he's super, super fast, like faster than anything possible. But there are some bad guys like oh. this. The smoky yeah. guy like hey, i'm gonna turn into a green gas like how is that guy faster than the, like there's certain bad guys that out fast him sometimes in weird ways mm-hmm. that really bothers me do you guys have this problem or is it just me? no i do mm-hmm. i i really enjoy the flash i like the show i think it ha- i think it overcomes its cw-ness better than like arrow does <laughs> mm-hmm. um but there are so many times where i i'm like you get him Flash, what are you yeah, doing? Totally. Yeah, totally. You're the fastest thing in the freaking universe, and you can't stop that guy. And like, <laughs> there's there's scenes like I think it's in the first season where Captain Cold's he's like standing there with the totally. gun or whatever, and it's like Flash, you can like take that gun out of his hand before he has a time to yeah, you won't even to blink. The blink. Yeah, exactly. There's no yeah, he fires the whole shot off and freezes Flash's feet or whatever. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, they definitely struggle. I mean, maybe they don't struggle. Maybe they're just like, yeah, we know, we don't care. But they definitely I run into like that, that that problem of like, yeah, we know he's this powerful, but what? It's hard writing. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. Though? It's not hard writing. And here's the thing: this is a problem I had. This is the problem I had with that Superman movie too. Uh, you get to a point where it's two equally matched bad guys smashing each other through buildings, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not interesting. So what I loved about the original Christopher Reeve Superman, Supermans was the bad guys would uh, put people in peril. So yeah. then mm-hmm. Superman had to, he wasn't just fighting the bad guy. He was fighting the bad guy and stopping the disaster from happening to the good people. So I feel like 
it's an easy solution. You just have the bad guys. The reason that they're bad guys and the reason that they're tough for Flash to deal with is they don't care about human life. They're going to put human life in danger. And the problem is Flash does. So he's going to spend most of his time blocking and saving. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. you can't, don't make it a, a, a one-on-one fight because that's not accurate. Like, the, mm-hmm. like we just said, that's not going to be a problem for the Flash if they write him properly, right? So to write it properly, don't the bad guys shouldn't be doing that. The bad guys should be doing what they do best, do bad stuff to people, civilians, and then let the yeah. Flash have to deal with that while trying to knock the bad guy out. I think that would be a lot more believable and interesting. Mm-hmm. You, de- I think you definitely nailed it a hundred percent there because in the few, there's a you know there will be a few times where they'll put him in a situation where it's like ooh how's he gonna and it is those type of situations where it's not just him fighting a guy you've got it. Yeah, and the comics have been the comics have been handling it that way for for years. Like they mm-hmm. figured that out a while ago. And yeah, I think you're 100 percent correct. Like I kind of wish they would. They need to turn into Jackie Chan. You can't just be in a tournament oh, all the time. You wow. got to fight 14 guys at once. No, that's a great. <laughs> that is a great uh, uh, met- metaphor. Is the wrong word, but yeah, absolutely. Jackie Chan. Okay, I watched a, uh, a thing recently. There's this YouTube series about. Oh, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's a YouTube series about filmmaking specifically, and it, it, it covered all of Jackie Chan's films, and it talked about the difference between his films in China and his films here in the, the United States. And it dealt a lot with that, the fact that what makes him such an interesting character and fun to watch is he's uh, the underdog in most situations, and he always has a disadvantage. He's always either fighting too many people, or he doesn't have a weapon, and they all do, and he's mm-hmm. got to like, take his jacket off. There's always something like that, which that's what he does to equalize it. And so, you know, and then when, when that shift happens where he finally does get the upper hand, it's exciting and we like to watch that. Otherwise, yeah, there's no, we can't watch somebody who's clearly better than everybody the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Sorry, that just got me on. He's kind of a master. No, he's a master for a lot of reasons. Um, and I think that's, that's one of them is he's, he's figured that out, like how to, how to make that interesting to watch. Yeah, well, you know, I have this um, Bruce Lee song uh enter the dragon just you know that one right yep yep Um, and it was just the idea that all these guys are going to attack bruce lee one at a time like yeah the the ridiculousness of dealing with those kinds of action scenes and i think in a lot of movies in recent times we've uh sort of stepped that up a little bit and come up with more believable ways like in the born in the born identity movies for example like he's taking out a bunch of guys and i believe it it looks like you know, he just knows how to handle himself versus they just couldn't figure it out back then. So yeah. they had to wait their turn. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Chuck Norris funny. is going to wait until uh, yeah, why would he everybody wait? else is gone first. So yeah, exactly. that Bruce Lee can pull his chest hairs <laughs> out of his right. chest. Yeah. Just, yeah. Ah. I'll just wait until he's tired. Maybe he'll get tired. <laughs> I don't know why I gave Chuck Norris like a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he said a lot in that movie, so he, didn't say anything. <laughs> he really didn't. No, my chest there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, what What are you excited about right now? Like, what's going on that's got you excited? Either something you're working on, or just or just anything else. There's a man. There's a lot. There's a lot coming out that I'm super excited about. Like I said, the um the most recent trailer for Captain America: Civil War mm. uh, got me so choked up, dude. When he, when Tony's when he's like, you know, if there's any other way, but he's my friend, and Tony Stark's like. 
I was your friend. I was, I was your like, friend. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Oh, that yeah. feels so like Men I'm so emotional. <laughs> Seriously. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the girliest superhero movie of all time. <laughs> I can't wait for it. I cannot wait. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm definitely, uh, I'm actually excited about The Walking Dead tonight. Like, I'm excited to wait till midnight to be able to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Crap, hold on, sorry, there's other stuff. I'm, I'm excited about catch, catching back up with, with Flash and Daredevil. I'm excited for Daredevil to come back on. I'm mm-hmm. hoping they make another season for Jessica Jones because I'm excited about that. Um, I am excited for the new DLC from Fallout 4. I, oh, I yeah. Want it. I want it, so I've got nothing to do, so I'm waiting for stuff to come out. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I definitely... the same boat? There's still a lot of stuff I'm sure I could do, but I played through the main storyline. I've built tons of settlements. And I yeah. got to a point where I'm like, I, I, I want to play the game, but then I'll jump in it and I'll be like, man, I've already put, uh, the save file says I've put over seven days straight into it. So uh, <laughs> maybe I should, maybe I'll find something else to do. That's exactly my problem. I love it so much, but I go, man, I should be doing something more constructive uh-huh. in my time. Um, I don't want to give any spoilers away for people that haven't played the game yet, but um, is there a way you can tell me which thing you've chosen? Because I feel like I chose poorly. And I have to live with this decision. Okay. Um, in terms of the ending, do you feel good about what you chose? I yeah, mean, that way, not really. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe all endings are that way. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, I mean, there's definitely a fork, right? Yeah. Like, regardless how many factions they, they are in there that you can kind of do things with, there's definitely mm-hmm. a a fork, and. I'm not sure how the one one way goes, but I have a feeling mm-hmm. neither decision makes you feel particularly good. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I can no, say, I agree. Yeah, because you have to, you have to, yeah, you have to turn your back on one group of friends, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah, and that's tough. So I don't want to. I'm not going to spoil anything. So I'm be very cryptic about how I say this. Okay. Um, but I made my decision, and I feel like I chose poorly. Uh-huh. So I had to go down and um. There was one of my old groups that I liked, that I enjoyed, uh-huh. was in the way of a mission. And, and the guy said, you have to eliminate them. And it was like, oh, my God. No, no, I can't. Wait, what? I have to, I have to go outside and kill these people? <laughs> like, these are okay. my buds, right? Okay. So, you know, you know I'm kind I of do. Where I, I, am. Yep, okay. I know where you're at. Yep. So, I ran and aggroed some beasties and brought them back and let them fight for a little bit and then i dropped i had the minutemen drop some uh what do you call it um uh artillery artillery like i did everything i could to let something else Uh eliminate them Uh and i got everybody except the last dude of like 15 or whatever and i ran out of every other option um and i had to just shotgun them in the face (laughs) it was terrible i felt horrible oh interesting okay Oh, well, man. how did you solve that situation? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I had got to a point where you have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. But but up to that point, I played friendly enough with everybody to where there was oh. that one mission where basically everybody's fighting each other. Yeah. And I was friendly with everybody, so I could literally just walk right around, right walk right through this battlefield. And oh, wow. They were all just fighting each other. Nobody came after me. I just, had to make nice sure, I just had to make sure I, I didn't get hit by a rogue grenade. But then, 
<laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty awesome, man. I gotta say, I was like, I've done it right so far. Um, but I, I did have to make a decision and okay. I'll say this. I think I went with this decision that seemed like it was better for the greater good in the more immediate time. Wow. You know what I mean? Okay. How crazy is that? That a video game put both of us in that position, right? Yeah. We had to consider the greater good of a fictional world. <laughs> yeah. Like what the hell? And you know, you could, that. you could, and that could even mean different things because you'd be like, well, the greater good down the road. Oh, totally. I'm sure I, I, I'm, I'd love to off camera, find out what, uh, what you chose, you know? Uh-huh. So maybe like, uh, tweet me or something, or I don't know okay. how you can, yeah, but yeah. I'd love to, or email me or whatever, but I'd love to find out. Cause, um, I think I have a feeling we picked different things. Okay. Yeah. But, I think so too. But we had the same reasons. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melanie's sitting here. Uh, we're uh, as soon as we we're looking to upgrade Melanie's computer, then she can play Fallout Four. Right now, she's Skyriming it up, but she's oh waiting. god, I'm so jealous. She's I waiting wish I could on an upgrade to Skyrim, dude. That's okay. That's my you know talk about things looking forward to. The thing that I'm looking forward to that isn't actually happening yet is whatever the next Elder Scrolls is going to be. Like, can we please have that? Mm. I need it. Like, I love Fallout. Don't get me wrong, but like, I'm always going to prefer a fantasy. Yeah, that's interesting. Know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I love post-apocalyptic. I really do, and I love zombies. And I love—I mean, not the Fallout mm-hmm. zombies, although they kind of do with the rules. But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for some reason, I just like feeling like I'm running around in Lord of the Rings like that. Nothing's going to trump that. And it seems like there's more to do, or but that might just be me in Skyrim versus yeah. Fallout. Yeah, I feel like it too. I feel like there's a little bit. You know what? They—they're getting better at this, but. I, those kinds of open world role playing games always make you feel like you're errant, running errands uh-huh. for people, mm-hmm. and that's kind of annoying because you're like, I'm kind of a big deal. I don't know if you know, I kill dragons, <laughs> 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 and like I'm going to pick up like yeah some pumpkins for you. Like wait, what's happening? <laughs> I would love for them to fix that eventually. Like come up with believable quests that feel like quests and not like mm-hmm. grocery shopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a great game too. Just grocery shopping. No, they have Ooh. they have that game on like Facebook now. Oh, oh, you, it's not a great game. No. Have you either of you guys played a? Have any of you guys played Firewatch? Uh-uh. You know about it? Uh-uh. Oh, is that is that recent? I think I've heard oh, okay. something about it. I have I have not haven't yeah, played it. Oh, okay, yeah, my friend uh, Rich Summer, the guy the, that was in Final Object Theater with me, the guy from Mad Men. Um, he's the lead. He plays them called Firewatch, which is a very indie indie game. It's um, it's a step up from you know the this whole genre called walking simulators, basically. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's step up from that, but it is essentially it's more like an interactive story than it is like a full on free will video game which mm-hmm. you have a lot of control over. Um, and I'm not super into those. Like I, I want a world, you know, just like we talked about, like Fallout and Skyrim, where you can go anywhere, you can do the mm-hmm. missions in any order. Like you're in control. I mm-hmm. love that. Um, I don't like games that feel like I'm on a rail as much, but having said that, it's, um, a really cool one of those where you are, um, discovering this relationship between these two characters as you're moving through this really kind of creepy things start happening and you're trying to figure out like you're being watched, but you're, you know, it's just weird. Yeah. There's some weird, anyway, it's, um, it's a very interesting indie game that happens to have my friend in it. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. That's why I bring it up. Yeah, that's cool. No, I've, I've definitely been hearing things about it. Um, that it's, that it's excellent. And like you said, walking simulator, interactive story, but it's really good. 
I'm not sure what that is. Is that like Stanley Parable type stuff? Yeah. Okay. Where I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. The game, okay. your 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 main interaction is just walking through these events. Okay. It's a walking yeah. simulator. Exactly. Yeah. Or do you, do you play um, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture? That's another example of those. Uh, I haven't played that one. No, but that sounds oh, awesome. okay. It sounds good, yeah. It's <laughs> the, Again, the problem is, if you play it, like the world is gorgeous. Like The area that you are actually running around in is so cool. And I just wish there was, again, I wish it was more like Skyrim or Fallout, where there were like missions to do mm-hmm. in this place, rather than I'm literally just going from conversation to conversation. Yeah. yeah. Very cool way to tell a story, but I want... I want something more. I want a game with smaller hills that I can just freaking walk over instead of having to climb mountains all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I play uh, uh, Skyrim the same way I play Grand Theft Auto. I just run and jump off whatever mountain. I take whatever shortcut I can, mm-hmm. and then I die. <laughs> <laughs> I die. I die horribly every time. I try it's not terrible. to because sometimes I scare myself and then I scream out loud and then Randy freaks out because he thinks I'm being murdered or something. She so does. I do. It's like, okay, you know, you'll hear like a, the startled scream. Like, Hoo-hoo. you get screams of terror coming from her when she's playing video games. Yeah. Well, there are dragons. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's actually usually not even dragons. It's it's the 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 startles the cow falling on my head in my you know? minecraft was uh, one of the worst like i ever minecraft would horrify her because i would be busy doing something and then all of a sudden cows fall falling on my head and stuff it was a cow oh my god yeah and it's terrifying <laughs> if you were out in the world and a cow fell on your head that, yeah, would, that, that would be like the worst problems. thing ever probably be the last thing you ever saw too yeah, yeah. true yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> That'd be utterly terrible. Oh. oh. Perfect right. <laughs> way to end the show, then I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, if Jesse wasn't going to jump on that pun, I was going to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Um, where? Okay. Where, where can people find you? Uh, Patreon, Twitter, websites, all that. So I go by Daspedy, D-A-S-P-E-T-E-Y, and that's that same username on everything. So Daspedy.com, Twitter slash Daspedy, Facebook slash Daspedy. Um, yeah, everything is Daspedy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I, like I said, I, I just finished these albums. I'm about to put my first one out probably in a month and a half. Oh, nice. Exciting. So I'll be awesome. putting out. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm hoping... You got to be honest with me, Joe Kings fan. You got to be honest about the transition because I'm very nervous about losing people as I move into the new thing. I'm, I'm going to know the truth. Okay. I'm confident that you're going to do well because, uh, you know, you, like your ballads on No More Kings are solid. I mean, like, it's all solid. So I'm sure that, you know, you put yourself into this, it's going to be awesome. Right now. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I hope you're yeah. right. <laughs> So yeah, so I'm going to be putting out a lot of content basically leading up to that launch. And then um, hopefully, yeah, six to eight weeks, that album will be out. Cool. Looking forward to it. Um, also, okay. Critical Hit, we kind, of, we kind of touched on it. What's the uh, URL for Critical Hit? It's oh yeah, Critical Hit, all <laughs> one word, .tumblr.com. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. I think I will make it a oh yeah, Critical Hit.com at some point and then point to the Tumblr. But right now it's a Tumblr-based site. Yeah, that's weekly, every Friday. Every Friday that updates. And, you have to and I have no idea what I'm going to do this week. 
And you have to sing it when you watch it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can actually take that in. That's <laughs> on <laughs> Well, awesome, man. This has been a, this has been great talking yeah. to you. Yeah, I had lots of fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, guys. This really has been a blast. Thank you for listening to Grawlix Podcast. The Grawlix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vocal Arrow Studios. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives, 4.0 International License. To hear more, visit GrawlixPodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast and like us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Podcast. So, so, so you can maybe get used to voices. I'm Randy, one of the, we're, we're all hosts. We're all hosts. So we just kind of all jump in and, you know, don't feel like we're ganging up on you. Yes. And I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're not an actual gang. No, no. If we, well, I mean, we, no, that's a you guys we should may... probably uh, remedy that. Yeah. We should get <laughs> matching shirts and start like do, making up snaps. I was going to say, we do have matching jackets, but (laughs) yes. And then Melanie? I'm Melanie. I'm the female. (laughs) I'm not a a, a Jesse impersonation. And I'm Jesse. Jesse. What's up, man? Not much. (laughs) Pete? Hi, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) This is starting well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel no awkward pauses are going to happen. Here. No, <laughs> get them all out up front.